events that can trigger a collapse and how to prep for each one. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0. I am joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. You need a reason to do something. This is the episode where we take a suggestion from Patreon, Ray Legrand. Thank you, Ray. And he suggested a topic that we analyze the various scenarios that could lead to a collapse and provide specific things to prep for for most of these scenarios. And as always, remember, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. One great thing that all of us need to always be planning for is our water purification. Mm. Right now, uh, all of us, for the most part, have running water. We can turn on a faucet and good, clean, safe water comes out of it. But that may not always be the case. So, folks, I encourage you to check out our website at prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates. And then the most important thing to click on is Pro One. You can see their logo over there. They specialize not just in water purification, you know, like a pitcher or a countertop tank. They specialize in whole home water purification. So imagine one of the scenarios that we're going to flesh out here on the show today. And you can have purified water tapping into your house because you planned ahead using Pro One Water Filters. I encourage you to check them out. They've got some great deals going on right now. The top 100 items that disappear first. This is a list that comes from the Survivors of Bosnia. This list provides an excellent checklist of stuff that you should have. It makes you think of things that you otherwise wouldn't have thought of. Um, and it is available, this list, at prepping2-0.com on our website under the top 100 list of things. This week, it's number nine, sweeteners like sugar and honey. Um, that's one of those things that you wouldn't necessarily think of on your list. But boy, I could really see how that would come in handy because people are, some people, addicted to sugar and sweeteners. And uh, anytime there's a disruption in supply of things, including things people are addicted to, Addicted people are going to do whatever they can do to get the stuff to which they are addicted. And that would include sugar and honey. It stores forever sugar, provided that you keep it dry. And then honey. honey. Absolutely. I mean, I understand it. I don't know if this is true. This could be some urban internet folklore myth. That in in the pyramids of Egypt, there are pots of honey that are still perfectly good. I don't know if it's true. Okay, you say it's true, so it is true. That is a prepping piece of gold right there. Reason of the week to be a Patreon. Here's what you're missing in the after show. The problem is, is that they abut. You said but. (laughs) Well, let's get into it. Setting the stage for this episode... There are lots of things that could trigger a bad situation for which you need to be prepared. In this episode, we categorize them as economic, infrastructure, political, military, general decline, and natural disasters. We're going to talk about subparts of each one of these, and we're going to talk about specific things you can do to prep for each scenario. We're also going to give you a sense of whether... Things under that particular scenario would be better or worse in either a red or a blue state. So, Shelby, why don't you kick us off with our scenarios? Our first scenario is man-made versus natural. Man-made first because it's more interesting. Man-made means things like economic, infrastructure, political, military, general decline, What are your thoughts on that, Glenn? Um, I think those categories are brilliant because that's what I wrote down. And uh, (laughs) I spent a lot of time thinking about them in terms of categories. And they're not ranked in any particular order because neither one of us are Nostradamus, although both of us have received the Nostradamus Award that we awarded each other. So it was very difficult to win that award. But we don't really know. And something to keep in mind when it comes to man-made scenarios is they come in combinations often with one another. For example, a world war could trigger an economic depression. So don't view any of the things we're talking about, any of the categories and subcategories, as exclusive one-dimensional things. Count on stuff falling apart and you having to deal with multiple scenarios at the same time. And here's, can I add a nuance to this? 
Mm -hmm. kind of a nuanced say to -hmm. this. So the thing that's different, and I think it helps us keep our perspective, man-made versus natural. When you think man-made, as we talk through this today, man-made means there is an actual entity or person to blame Mm -hmm. that holds responsibility. And there are powers out there that like to mix that up. They like to blame natural disasters on on a person or entity that you shouldn't. Right. A hurricane is Donald Trump's fault because of climate change, for right. example. For example. And hence, we must change the climate and create all this economic upheaval because of climate change, which we realize we can't. You know what I mean? So we're creating this false enemy. But yet there's times when it is truly man-made and the powers that be try to try to set your ire somewhere else. So just know that there's powers that be that try to try to mix up and muddy those waters. And we'll talk about that some more. That's right. Well, let's kick it off with economic. And this is a scenario where we um, we very likely could see this because how messed up things are in the United States economically. We're not going to list off all the reasons why the U.S., is economically messed up because quite honestly, that's a show in and of itself. If you didn't think the United States had major financial and economic problems, you wouldn't be listening to this show. So you already know this. We can skip over it. Even if you haven't been watching the news, you've been experiencing it. You go to the grocery store and a box of Bisquick that used to be $2 is now $8. You know, I saw a thing, by the way, speaking of of that, um, there, there were some farmers somewhere said instead of Easter eggs, because Easter eggs are so expensive, let's do this year Easter potatoes. If that isn't uh, an indicator that things are messed up, then, I mean, you can't even have eggs for for Easter. My goodness. Right. So crazy, crazy. So you're experiencing it. And then when you turn it on the news, doesn't matter what news source you watch, what news source you read, what news source, the economic decline that we are in right now is palpable. Now, so our first sub scenario under the economic category is what I call massive depression. And that means economic activity grinds to a halt. Now, okay, obviously that's a problem. We didn't need to listen to Prepping 2.0 to know that that a depression where the economy grinds to a halt is a problem. We don't get the Nostradamus for that No, we don't. But let's look at some of the ways that could happen. Um, The first is bank failures. And now we, we said we would give specific uh, prepping advice for most of the scenarios in which there are specific things you can do to ameliorate, which means lessen, by the way. You can lessen the impacts. So for bank failures, the, the prep you should have, and again, everything needs to be you know, practical and reasonable, would be having as little money as possible in banks. You can't do that with you know, putting money under your mattress, that doesn't make sense. Again, we're talking about reasonable stuff, but having some gold and some silver, having some supplies, things you can barter with, having skills. Diversify. Mm-hmm, exactly. The bottom line is diversify don't all wanna, your assets. Don't want to put all your eggs in one basket or oh. the modern day thing, all your potatoes in one basket. Well, and, and by diversifying, that forces you also. And I think this is, I'm putting words to what we already know as preppers. Counting things as asset that the average Joe person may not. I consider my ability to grow food out of my garden a huge asset. Right now, the world just thinks I'm hobby farming. Mm -hmm. Fine. And they they drive me off and say, oh, isn't that so, she's so cute. There she goes. Yeah, it's an asset and people don't realize it is. So count your assets that way too. And this brings up a good point. And that is that most of the preps apply to most of these scenarios. For example, there's not a scenario in which having fresh drinking water doesn't apply. I guess maybe a flood, right? <laughs> maybe well, if there's no, a flood, I but still. Flood water is not drinkable water. No. You I, need to be able to. I was to, being funny, okay. but not funny enough. So okay. there you have it. Another massive economic uh, failure scenario would be the adoption of digital currency and not just the adoption of digital currency, that wouldn't necessarily trigger anything, although it's terrible public policy and awful for a variety of reasons that everybody listening to this can instantly understand. But when I talk about a digital currency 
being a scenario that creates a collapse. I'm talking about the later stages of the digital currency when the government, for example, starts taking people's savings accounts because they're in digital dollars and the government controls digital dollars. When we have, don't laugh, it's a true thing. It's hard to get your mind wrapped around it. Negative interest rates. Well, what's that? Well, when you when you buy a car and the interest rate on the money you borrow is, say, 7%, that means if you borrow $100, you have to pay back 107 Negative interest rates, which have happened in Japan and Scandinavia and, and virtually happened in the United States when interest rates were 0.25%, oh, um, negative interest rates would be you, you get $100 of digital currency put into your account and uh, it, it ticks away, and let's say there's a negative interest rate of 5%, within a year, you only have 95 digital dollars. They actually take money out of your account, and how do they do that? Well, they can. There's a digital dollar. There's, it, there's not cash that you're depositing. And another thing from a, a digital currency that is controlled by uh, a government with bad intentions that's taking savings and doing negative interest rates is that I think very few people would have an incentive to work. Why work? Right, exactly. When the government's just going to steal all your stuff. And so the fact that huge swaths of the population no longer have an incentive to work, at least work in the regular economy, which relies on digital dollars, people will still work for bartering and for gray market and black market stuff. But when a lot of people don't have an incentive to work. I think the economy grinds to a halt. Kind of like, does that feel familiar at all right now with the current market where we have help wanted signs everywhere? Yeah, and nope. and still there, you know, the the lobby of a McDonald's is closed, right? Because they don't have enough. I mean, people the to work feel there. of this, the initial, not the super severe end of it, but the feel of this is already there. So mm -hmm. I'm just kind of pointing that out. Yeah, another economic. Um, calamity that could happen. And this is one that a lot of people don't think about because it's not it's not sexy and cool. And that would be universal basic income and to an extent reparations. We all know what reparations are. I think candidly reparations are very unlikely to be imposed. Um, San Francisco's talking about doing it and it'd oh. be like seven hundred billion dollars and their annual so budget is LA like, County is talking about doing it. But they can't because they don't have enough money. There's right. physically not enough money unless you but we are, use digital dollars. Right. We are in the economic collapse scenario here. So we have leaders in place that are making really bad choices that are leading us down this path towards this, yes. And I talked about reparations, and now it's time to talk about universal basic income. As the term implies, it's a harebrained government idea that everybody would get, let's say, $100,000 a year. The numbers don't matter because it's terrible public policy no matter what the numbers are. And, and the idea is there are so many people being displaced from work by artificial intelligence and other things that we're just going to pay people to sit around and not work, kind of like the COVID thing, and look how that turned out. So I think the reason universal basic income, or if it ever happened, and again, I don't think it will, reparations would be an economic collapse scenario is that Nobody would have an incentive to work. Stuff would grind to a halt. You think it's hard now to get a plumber to come out? Mm -hmm. Try try universal basic income and nobody is going to be able to fix your stuff, which means stuff doesn't get fixed, which is a calamity in a variety of ways. People don't think about universal basic income when it comes to a collapse scenario. So you've heard Glenn and I just go on and on, move out of blue states to red states. These are the what you just yeah, mentioned. Yeah, great point are being tried in blue states. For example, the governor of Oregon, I believe that this bill made it through the legislature. I'd have to go double check, but I saw it about a month ago. Bill floated that the state would pay $1,200 a month to every homeless person in the state. Hmm, sounds like a great idea. What so could go wrong? Sounds like universal, you know. Basic income for yeah, homeless, homeless people. people. <laughs> who are choosing not to work. Uh, who, you by know, and large. By and large. Uh, all the things. So you're just incentivizing being homeless. And so s these things are being floated now. Are they 100% hands down for all millions of people in the United States? No, but they're being floated. And they're always floated in blue states that are hard blue. Like there's, there's no way 
states like California, Oregon, Washington, New York probably are ever going to not be blue. Exactly. Before we get into our next economic scenario, why don't you, Shelby, tell folks a little bit about some of our sponsors? Oh, we have some amazing sponsors. Katie Armour stands for Come and Take It Armour, uh, basic uh, body plates for you and I. Backwoods Home Magazine, we've talked about them. Great folks over there give us every quarter great ideas for how to prep. Numana Foods solves all of your deep freeze-dried food preps in bulk amounts. Miniman Coffee, they're the reason why I can talk as fast as I can right now. Um, Additionally, don't forget to check out Paul Burke. He's an Idaho realtor. You can find him at our website at uh, prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates. You'll get to his website there, firstresponserealty.com powered by Fathom Realty. And last, but of course not least, Gibbs Arms. Love those guys. Well, we're going to return now to our economic scenarios for collapse and disaster and disruption. We'll use those terms interchangeably because they're all kind of the same thing. It's basically a bad day where you can't do your normal stuff and you need to rely on your preps. That's what we're talking about here, which is, again, a reason to do something. You've got to have a reason to prep and we're giving you a list of things that could go wrong. And we're not saying they're all going to go wrong. We're not saying they're going to, these are things are going to happen in the next, you know, 10 seconds or anything like that, but we're just giving you an overview. So the next one economically is one that everyone understands and that's hyperinflation. The cause of inflation, especially hyperinflation really doesn't matter, but what matters is you get into an Argentina scenario we had a fair file on the show a while ago where he described because he's from Argentina and he lived in Argentina during their hyperinflation stuff. And he told stories about how people would buy stuff that they didn't need because they knew that tomorrow it would be twice as expensive and all kinds of crazy disruptions that come from hyperinflation. Um, that's something that you can prepare for to an extent with gold and silver because gold and silver, the value of those things will go up equally with hyperinflation, or I think they'll go up, the value of gold and silver will go up even more than hyperinflation. Gold and silver allows you to lock in the value of your money at any given time. If you buy gold and silver now, say $2,000 an ounce for gold, you're getting something in exchange for your $2,000 that is an ounce of gold. When there's hyperinflation and an ounce of gold, is going for $100,000, you can sell it for $100,000 worth of stuff. And you've you've not made money. There's not like a dividend because the inflated money is only worth as much as the old amount of the money. But what it does is, is, as I say, it locks in the value. So hyperinflation, there's a very specific thing you can do to to lessen the effects of hyperinflation on you, and that'd be gold and silver. So again, Shelby over here, talking about how we're already seeing minor examples of this. When you see, you know, there's the silly example that we all, you know, uh uh-oh, something's going to happen. Everyone goes and buys toilet paper. When a natural disaster is about to hit, everyone goes and fills up their car with gas. Um, We've seen it in this last year. If you live in a rural community with animal feed, animal hay, Um, If you work at all in and around livestock, you know that this last year, that has been a problem. If you live in the Midwest, like around Tennessee, they've had a hay shortage, like an incredible hay shortage for animals. So people, when they perceive, "Uh uh-oh, I may not have enough for my animals in August, I better go buy a bunch now. That's what you start saying. These are all on very micro levels. But just imagine it on a huge level. You've actually cogently described our next scenario, which is continual but less than hyperinflation. And that's the stuff we're seeing now, but it keeps going on and on and on. Um, By the way, the Biden administration says inflation's over. They're wrong. Um, And so you could see this continual inflation that is less than hyperinflation That isn't really like a collapse scenario, completely bringing things down, but it makes the quality of life worse. And and we've given a million ideas on this show about ways to combat inflation, buying stuff now, skills, being self-reliant, all the things point towards protecting yourself against inflation. And again, we're getting, we're, we're on a trajectory towards the worst case scenario. 
right now there's nothing really in the way of stopping it from getting further down the road except you prepping. Exactly. Another scenario in the economic category is a massive sell-off of U.S. bonds. A lot of people don't know what U.S. bonds are. It's basically the United States borrowing money. We all know that China holds a billion dollars worth of U.S. bonds. That's China owning a billion dollars of debt, which is to say we owe China, a, I say a billion, I meant a trillion, I'm sorry. B's and T's, you know what I mean? They just- They're just they, on the- They're just letters. They're just letters in the alphabet, yeah. So when, when the countries around the world that don't like the United States, uh, that would include China, if they ever got together and said, uh, all of a sudden on one day, we're going to start selling our U.S. bonds. And by selling, it's not technically selling. It's really more not renewing. And these things have maturity dates from a few days to 30 years. And so if there's a concerted effort by a bunch of people in the world to not renew the bonds, not to keep buying the bonds, not to keep lending the United States money, if the, if the world cut off the United States from all the borrowing the United States does, that's the best way of saying it, then you would have massive inflation because U.S. currency would be worth a lot less and interest rates would go sky high because now if nobody wants U.S. bonds, instead of paying you know, three or 4% for a 10-year U.S. bond, you've got to coax people in to buy your debt to lend you money. Then you would have to have interest rates of 15, 20, 30, 40%. By the way, as a side note, if you've got gigantic interest rates um, on U.S. bonds, forget the government having any money to do anything else with because if the interest rate goes up just a quarter of a point, I forget what the number is. I think it costs the United States like $300 billion a year in increased interest. We have so much debt, approximately $31 trillion, that little teeny increases in the interest rate mean the federal budget gets almost entirely soaked up with having to pay for the debt. I mean, it gets to a point one or two percentage points, and that's like your defense uh, money. That's your defense spending. And so you would you would completely cancel out the United States government because the government wouldn't have any money to do anything. Now, of course, if that happened, they would just declare that the U.S. dollar no longer exists and helpfully move us into the digital currency. So your U.S. dollars would get traded for new digital dollars. And so don't you worry. We don't really have debt because we just erased the way for us to have to pay the debt. Wouldn't that be cool? So the federal government knows that the, the current dollar system is falling apart, but they're like, oh, no worries. We have a plan B, the digital dollar. And is and they're shining that turd. Am I right? Polishing. Polishing that turd. Yes. Oh, this is about, the, this right here is untenable. We can't work with it anymore. Don't worry, everyone. We have this over here. Exactly. Well, our next topic is a big one, and we're going to save it for the other side of the break. So when we come back, Shelby, tell folks what's yeah, going on. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk more about infrastructure and the collapse of infrastructure. Folks, don't go away. We have so much more to talk about. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S dot com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. 
Find us online at PrepperNet.com. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One Water Filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 all-in-one gravity systems are NSF, ANSI 42 component certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One stainless gravity systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One Water Filter Gravity Systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E. USA.com. Most tested, most trusted. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Thanks for rejoining us. We're just getting started with our discussion of events that can trigger a collapse and how to prep for each one. To hear all of them, stick around for the after show, especially if you're a Patreon supporter. And then, of course, there's a hilarious lightning round. I would like to tell folks about EMP Shield. We're going to be in a moment talking about infrastructure attacks and the most devastating infrastructure attack by far. I call it the death penalty for a society is an EMP attack. EMP Shield is a device that protects whatever it's wired into from being fried. You can learn all about it at prepping2-0.com, friends and affiliates tab. Click on the EMP Shield a logo and this thing actually works and so you can look at it yourself so we wanted to finish up with the economic stuff and then go into infrastructure economic stuff we have two points to make and that is another scenario with economic problems it's kind of like a massive sell-off of u.s bonds but it would be the abandonment of the u.s dollar as the world reserve currency very simply uh, nations have one or more, but we have one main currency that they all hold in reserve so they can pay their bills, basically. Virtually everything in the world is bought and sold with U.S. dollars. If you are in Italy and you're selling oranges and you're trading oranges for oil with Saudi Arabia, the deal is done in dollars. You value the oranges in dollars, you value the oil in dollars, and then whoever is buying stuff sends the seller U.S. dollars. So it's the medium of exchange. It's kind of like here in the U.S. You don't see people going into a grocery store in Florida and saying, oh, can I pay with Canadian currency, right? It's just not done. So everything's done in dollars. Well, 
if the world, and this could be for political reasons, geopolitical reasons, if the world said, yeah, the U.S. dollar, not so much. Why should the U.S. get the benefit of having the world reserve currency? So there's artificially high demand for U.S. dollars because it's what is required to trade oranges for oil. So there's an artificially high demand. So the value of the dollar is way high which means we get uh, like a lot of value for just printing dollars. It's a pretty great deal to be the world reserve currency. Here's the catch to this being a collapse scenario, in my opinion. When a currency is abandoned as the world reserve currency, it doesn't happen overnight. Britain used to have the world reserve currency in the 1800s until World War I. Everything was done in pound sterling, which is the British currency. And after the pound sterling lost its status as the world reserve currency, Britain started falling apart economically. It took us several decades. So this maybe is a weird example because this isn't going to happen overnight. It is happening. We're in the early stages of the world moving away from, I'm not going to say abandoning, but moving away from the US dollar as the world reserve currency. We have, for example, China is now trading oil and gold, two very important things, in Chinese currency. And Saudi Arabia has indicated that it will sell oil to China in Chinese currency. And so this would be a long-term major problem. Think about Britain in 1900, how it was on top of the world versus say 1950. Anyway, there you go. The abandonment of the U.S. dollar could be a problem. Here's another economic problem, and it's kind of intertwined with other stuff, including infrastructure, but I'm going to call it an economic trigger, and that would be massive supply disruptions. We saw that a year or two ago. Remember all those ships off the ports of California that couldn't unload for a variety of stupid, unnecessary political, political reasons. If we had even worse supply disruptions, the economy grinds to a halt. For example, we here at the Tate Gallagher household needed a particular water regulator for an irrigation system. We're not talking like lawn sprinklers. We're talking like greenhouse irrigation well, systems. Well, for a well to it's convert well. it, yeah. To we irrigation. have a separate irrigation well. And yes, to the authorities listening, we do have water rights for that separate and thing. And a permit. Exactly. So there was this one little device that was normally, I think, 200 bucks and there were none in the United States of America. There were none. We had a great outdoor plumber, irrigation guy who did a workaround and it ended up, I think it was 1500 bucks for the workaround. I can't remember. The numbers don't matter, but you well, get the point. By the grace of God, it ended up being less expensive by like 500 bucks than actually finding the part that he was looking for originally. So right. long story there. But I mean, that yeah. counts on having a totally awesome irrigation guy. But the supply disruption point is that the economy is affected. First of all, it cost us more money. Second of all, there was a long delay. We were not producing things in our greenhouse. And thirdly, it was work that the irrigation guy couldn't do because he couldn't get the parts. So you can see how supply disruptions are more than inconvenient. They're more than shortages. If there are enough supply disruptions the economy grinds to a halt because we're used to, and the Tate Gallagher household is guilty of this, we're used to needing something and getting on Amazon Prime and having it delivered to our house in a couple days. And we've built an economy on everybody getting exactly what they want when they want it. And if that doesn't happen, that system, that economy is going to break down. Well, and we have no alternative to that. Yeah. Our economy is built on that. You know, back when you and I were kids, Glenn, you'd order something like the part to a well, like what we needed, a well irrigation converter thing. All right, we'll get it next summer and get it in for you. And you just, that was the expectation. It's not anymore. It's not anymore. And not only that, the answer this time is we can't get it now. We won't be able to ever get it. Yeah. Whew. Well, and another problem with the Amazon Prime economy that Glenn and Shelby are contributing to this problem. Uh, another problem <laughs> is that you no longer have mom and pop stores like irrigation supply places. Here in Montana, there are several irrigation supply companies and there are standardized irrigation yes. parts and there's not a lot of variety and they can keep those in stock. They didn't have our particular one. But my point is, is that 
when everything is super specialized and customized and delivered the next day, you're not going to have mom and pop stores that have the standard stuff. And so if the Amazon Prime economy breaks down, your economy has broken, broken down. down. Exactly. Exactly. And it's more than just not having stuff. It's the economic effects. Well, now the much ballyhooed infrastructure topic yes. comes up. And this has a couple scenarios in it. Before we get into the infrastructure stuff, I wanted to tell folks about the archive dive. This is where we highlight an archived episode, an old episode, because we have so many new listeners. We don't know that you know that there are all these old episodes on all these cool topics. Yeah. So we have episode 52, which was done in October of 2019. The good old days. The good old days, yes, when everything was awesome. It's called The Cartelification of America with Sean Swanson, who's an amazing, brilliant guy, former special operations guy, private military contractor, been all over the world, seen all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk about cartelification later in this show, but as the name implies, it's where more and more aspects of America, political, economic, social, start looking a little bit like Mexico, where cartels run everything. And we're not saying that Mexican cartels are going to invade the United States and take over and do everything. There are spots of that in the southern border where that is true, but we're not, that's not what we're saying. You need to not think of the word cartel as limited to Mexico. You need to think of what's happening in Mexico where organized crime controls everything. And you've got a corrupt political system, all the bad stuff could come to America. And if that sounds crazy to you, you need to listen to episode 52, Cartelification of America with Sean Swanson. So let me add to that little scenario in terms of infrastructure. When you think of cartelification, you think of, you know, the drug warlords, the drug industry, the fentanyl industry coming into the United States, which is really what it is. Cartelification actually is here in America in the sense of Cartels have taken over agricultural crops in southern United States and northern Mexico. Avocados. Avocados. If you had, let's just say you lived in North Mexico, remember there used to be a day you'd go to the grocery store and you'd look at an avocado product of Mexico. You are paying cartel the cartel dollars because they have taken over all the avocado fields in North Mexico and are selling them on the market and you're contributing to, yeah. So sorry folks who are all, you're love eating your avocado toast, but that's what they do. They take over whole industries. They just take it over. They extract all the money out of it. And, and the, the person who owns the farm is like, hey, I'm still alive. I'm just glad to be alive here. They may not be actually, you don't know. So yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. now we're gonna turn to the infrastructure topic. First thing we'll talk about is an attack on the electrical grid by hacking. This is a very realistic it's already happening. scenario. It's already happening. Obviously, everything runs on electricity. And the hacking is not only bad because it disrupts electrical service. The other problem with hacking is political, believe it or not. Yes, in my world, I can even see the politics of hacking an electrical grid. And that is the government is going to get blamed for this because the government presumably has lax hacking defenses. Maybe they have really stout hacking defenses, but the government's going to get blamed. And then people are going to say, well, in California, they have electricity, but we don't have electricity here in Montana. Hey, let's get mad at California. Let's get mad at the federal government. There's all kinds of politically destabilizing effects that disruptions of the electrical grid have if it's done by hacking. Think about this. I'll keep saying this throughout. We're already seeing small examples of this. It has only begun in the last few years that during this summer in California, when the wildfires are happening, do we have California turning off their electrical grid because the fires. I still don't know exactly yeah. what the connection is there. Maybe they need electric water pumps for fire engines. When in the whole history of California having an electrical grid and having their kind of their annual fires that are pretty severe, they've always been severe, have we had to shut down the electrical grid? The first few times this happened back in like 2018, 2019, when I was really paying attention, this happened in Northern California toward the end of August where in some of the higher elevations, it gets pretty chilly at night. And there were some people who had some serious health issues because of their exposure to cold. So this is happening again on a micro level. Get ready, folks. It could happen on a global level. The next electrical infrastructure scenario is one that is often discussed. 
and alluded to when I talked about EMP shield, and that is an electrical grid down because of an EMP. I've described it as the death penalty for a society. I don't know that there's any way to completely prepare for an EMP. You can get an EMP shield and put it into your generators, put it into your house. And if you've got fuel for your generators, you can generate your own electricity for couple weeks. I don't know how much gasoline or propane you have. By the way, an evil country popping off an EMP, it's done with a nuclear burst high in the atmosphere. An evil country would probably pop one and then wait about three weeks. So anybody that had radios or generators, and then the people deployed their radios and generators, they pop one in three weeks, and then it takes out everything that was not taken out the first time. So I hate to say, I think there's a scenario that you can't really prepare for. You can have great self-reliant food sources. You could have an amazing garden and hunting. The security you're going to need to stay alive is going to be off the charts. So I hate to say it, but other than getting an EMP shield and having a lot of fuel for your generators, um, this EMP thing is a huge problem and related to an EMP is a CME. And quick uh, lightning round uh, preview, Shelby, what does CME stand for? Coronal mass ejection. Nice. I did it. It only took me two years. Yeah. What is is a CME? It is um, basically, it's an EMP. It has the same effect, but it comes, it's a natural, it's caused naturally. It comes from a sunburst basically, right? Yeah. Giant solar flare that has a bunch of I don't know, magnetized ions or something it, that's it science-y. overwhelms the grid. It overwhelms the 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 ionosphere and the protections that Earth has against radiation and magna- magnetomical things. And uh, it's like an EMP. And there was one in eighteen fifty four, the there Carrington was. event, and it melted telegraph lines. It didn't melt them, it created a surge of electricity that then heated them up and then they physically melted the casing on the wire melted. So Well just think about when you over you know, over do you you know over microwave something. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of what it is. So a CME is another electrical grid infrastructure threat that's out there. Now, unlike an EMP I think that you can take some reasonable measures and actually protect yourself against a CME if you had your wiring and your devices protected with an EMP shield. If if a CME comes along, your stuff's protected. And, and kind of by definition, um, a CME is going to be relatively localized. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wherever the earth is, whatever part of earth is exposed when that, when that wave hits from the sun. So it's only going to be you know, part of a hemisphere. I know that's like a big problem if you're in that part of the hemisphere, but it's not going to be necessarily an an entire, yeah, nation being taken out. Um, You may get lucky. It all depends on where the earth is when the thing hits. So this is a great example of what I mentioned at the very, very beginning of the show. The results are the same between, for the most part, except for what you were just saying, an EMP and a CME, your wires get fried. With the EMP, there's someone to blame. Yeah. It, it is done intentionally it by another. It doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do you any good, right. But but the, I, when we have some an entity or someone to blame that suggests that there's a, there can be prevention if we know. So what, what am I getting at, Shelby? Back when uh, 45 was president, he recognized and put out there and cited um, viable sources saying North Korea has their EMP, their ability to EMP the United States pointed directly at us. And it is a huge threat. He vocalized that. He's talked, he talked about it. And it was, and he made that a priority during his presidency. Have we heard anything about that? Uh, no. In Since, fact, I ahead. would like to add some detail to that. Another reason the Biden administration is terrible is that on day one or day two of the Biden administration, the executive order that President Trump signed that said um, that there would be some EMP countermeasures would be taken by electrical utilities and others, uh, President Biden uh, decided to rescind that executive order. So there was something in place to that prevent. got taken away by Joe Biden. So anyway. That- so I'm just saying that because that 
that right there, when we know that there can be prevention put into place and then we have the powers that take away that, you know what I mean? So when we have- It's kind of man-made. It is man-made in that sense. Absolutely. Another another man-made infrastructure problem, and this I think is readily understandable, and that is the financial system being attacked by hackers. Oh, that couldn't happen. Oh, yeah, it does. It happens often. In fact, we had the um, the attack on the uh, airline uh, scheduling system. Shut down the entire the- air grid in the United States. Had it happened since 9-11 when there was an actual true attack. Isn't that amazing? And don't forget, on the East Coast and down to the Southeast, uh, a couple years ago, there was uh, a computer attack on a gasoline distribution pipeline. It basically gasoline is is transported from refineries to uh, gas stations yep. uh, through underground pipes, and instead of trucks and everything else. And so the computers that control the switches and gauges, I guess, the valves, I think would be the English word for that, the valves um, were hacked and the fuel supply system was cut off for the East Coast and it created huge problems. Now, they got it fixed relatively quickly, but that's just a little teeny weeny preview of what could happen on a massive scale. So. Uh, financial system hacking is something to worry about. What are some prepping things you can do to not be as affected by that? Well, again, gold and silver, virtually every economic calamity that we're describing, can the effects can be lessened by having some gold and silver. Having skills, having self-reliance on food and other things. Having EMP shield, seriously, yeah, having yeah. EMP shield. Yeah, there are things you can do for economic and infrastructure related things. Another infrastructure system that could easily be attacked and I'm sure has in limited circumstances, and that's the water supply. This is so low tech. A lot of uh, U.S. Uh, drinking water supply reservoirs are like open. They, 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 they don't have a cover on them. You could use a slingshot and... I'm making this up, but I'm guessing you could put some sort of substance, you know, that was very toxic or makes people sick or whatever it is. And you could slingshot it over the fence into a water supply. Um, There's a million other ways to attack water supply infrastructure. Shockingly easy to do. There are bad guys that would love to do it. And so- I'm shocked this hasn't happened yet, to be honest with you. Can I give an example about this? We have a few minutes. In Portland, Portland, Oregon, there is open water supply in southeast Portland, Oregon. It has needed, it has been federally required to cover that to protect it. I can walk right by that thing and huck stuff into it, a federally required to do that. The problem is, is that everyone in Portland, Oregon is paying their water bill and they're paying that water bill is, is an absolute credit card for the city council. They use it to make to create bike paths and to pay for all these diversity other, training, diversity training, all the other things instead of what they are federally mandated to do. And Portland is just one. They're a slingshot away from catastrophe. Exactly. And when nine 11 happened, it became a big deal. It always kind of rises up every now and then out of the ashes as an important issue, but somebody, but what did come out, I remember several years ago, the city council said, well, if we have to do that, Everybody's water bill is going to go up by like hundreds of percent. Seriously, like hundreds of percent. Folks, here's what's crazy about Portland, Oregon. They pay one of the highest water bills in the United States. Because you got to have water and they can turn it off. Right. In the nation, they pay people and citizens of Portland, Oregon. Where it rains all the time. This is what happens when you live in a blue state. Right. They pay more for water than people in Phoenix, Arizona. Why? Because it's of that credit card effect. That's so... Get out of these blue states that waste money and don't put your tax dollars into the required infrastructure. If I can give any help to that. On top of that, get yourself Pro One water filters. Make sure your water purification is up to snuff. And water supply is a system, as you knew I was going to say. It's getting to the point where I can't go through an episode without saying it's a system. We should make that like a a T-shirt or something. Exactly. It's not just filtration, although that's huge. It's having physical access to water. And having a way of transporting it and having a way of storing it. So you can see filtration is one of four main elements here. So if you get your water preps together, um, 
you're you're way ahead of the curve if the water supply is disrupted. By the way, you can have combinations of things. Uh, water supply systems require electricity. If you knock out the electricity by hacking an EMP or CME, you can simultaneously knock out the distribution of water. See how these are all related. Another infrastructure item that nobody really thinks about, in my opinion, as being vulnerable is the highway system. And how would the highway infrastructure be threatened? It could be a variety of ways. It could be lots of violence. It could be snipers on overpasses. It could be blockages. It could be setting gasoline trucks on fire. It can uh, be, honestly, ask people in, I don't know, uh, Afghanistan, blowing up of bridges so that yeah. you can't get from... And there are tons of terrorists, mostly foreign, uh, who are are adept at this and trained for this and have plans to do this. And it doesn't need to be a physical disruption to the highway infrastructure. It could be something as simple as, for a variety of the economic reasons previously mentioned, truck drivers aren't getting paid, or truck drivers can't finance buying the diesel it takes to move the groceries to where they need to go. The highway infrastructure, both economically and physically is so incredibly fragile. I can't believe this hasn't happened before. I'm glad it hasn't happened, but it's just crazy how easy it would be to disrupt the highway infrastructure. So again, this is Shelby's job here on this show. Let's go back in time. This is already happening on a micro smaller level. Whenever you see Antifa out doing their things, let's go back to 2016, 2020, 20 whenever when Antifa's, you know, in full force. What do they do? What do they, they run out, they, they put hundreds of themselves out on a major highway. Mm-hmm. And, and it, depending on where you live, blue state or red state, you'll, they'll either be allowed to camp out there and actually disrupt major, major uh, flow lines of what you just said, major yeah. flows of traffic. Or in the state of Texas, where they tried that, they got taken summarily off the highway and said, we don't put up with that, we're not Portland. So there's exactly. that. So also, if I, I think about the television show that's no longer around, but folks need to check it out. You can find it on Netflix or whatever. Jericho. Yeah. They're standing on this bridge going, whoa, don't destroy this. There's enemies on that side of it. But if we destroy it, we cut off our supply lines and our ability to eat. And they have to make, you can feel pal- the palpable decision they have to make. We don't want our enemies to have access to us, but we need access to and there's this huge everything. like negotiation that happens. We've talked about here in Montana, one of the major east-west routes is Highway 90. How could that get choked off? And they're uh, uh, super uh, easy. Super easy. Really. So think about these things. So do you want to add to that, Glenn? No, uh, not really. We're about to embark on the topic of political uh, triggers to things, military triggers, general decline. And natural disasters. And we're going to, we're about halfway through our list of, of possible we have things so that much could more go to wrong. Talk about. And it's going to happen in the after show. So, folks, don't forget from Benjamin Franklin, he tells us with his wise, wise words failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. Adios. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.